Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health Options show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. I don't know where that bumper music came from. That's weird. You know, Blog Talk Radio has been having lots and lots of trouble, so we will certainly cut that out. Um, I don't know where it came from. It's, it's just weird, and I don't know what else to say about it. That's just incredible. Uh, We have used it when we're going to be um, mm, outing somebody, uh, particularly a political person, about what's really going on. But that doesn't belong to the show. This is just Sound Health Radio, our wonderful Sunday show, where we bring you guests that we think can enhance your life by information. Um, Most of our audience has been taken up by people who really want to make a difference in their community. They want to educate themselves so they can pass on the information. We were talking before the show, we're working toward a half a million listeners, so a lot of you send us out to your friends and, and family, and then they come back and listen to the archives. We really appreciate that, and we appreciate you as live listeners. We have a couple of questions that have already come in. There is a chat over with Richard on Blog Talk Radio, um, and then a lot of you use my email address, just my name, one word, uh, Sherry Edwards at Gmail, and we get questions as we go along. Our guest today... Um, I'm flabbergasted about some of the things that he's bringing up. He's from England, and he's talking about the intelligence of the body to heal itself without any interference from us whatsoever, maybe from our mental state. Kyle uh, Davis is coming in to talk to us about his book, The Intelligent Body, explaining how the body chooses to heal itself or not, and oh, another question comes in. This is great. Um, and how all of that manifests. He's going to be bringing hints and tips to create and live a more healthy life. We will be with him in a moment right after a few. Uh, do we say these are necessary announcements, Richard? <laughs> well, if you were to ask me, I'd think they were necessary. <laughs> uh, first, uh, let me let me remind people that uh, if you're listening and you want to get to chat at Blog Talk Radio, you just go to SoundHealthOptions.com, click on the radio tab, and for this show, you just click on the Blog Talk Radio tab, and the link there will take you to the live page. And if you have signed up for a free account and they don't spam you, they don't do anything with the material. Um, You can log in, and then you can join chat at Blog Talk Radio, and they're already, as I call them, kids in the back room um, chatting away. So you can join chat there, and also this is a show I already know you're going to want to listen to again or send on to your friends, and about 10 to 15 minutes after the show, you'll be able to again click on the sound, go to soundhealthoptions.com, Click on the radio tab and then click on the Blog Talk Archive Player tab, and that'll open the page. And that player will show you the last five shows. 
where you'll be able to listen to it there or share it with your friends. And you can also go out into the podcatcher realms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Dog Catcher. That's enough. Um, any of those, any any number of areas, and search for Sherry Edwards, and you'll find the over 700 shows now. I don't know. I, I lose count, but a lot of shows. Uh, so you can find that there uh, right after we're done. And a lot of them are demonstrations where we give away uh, software to the audience that's listening. The one that we're going to be giving away this Tuesday uh, when we do our other show, our demo show, is Alzheimer's. So if you have anybody that you would like to share that information to, go to our site, soundhealthoptions.com, and just go to the radio and the Tuesday uh, show. I don't know if it's happy hour or direction for truth, um, but it's there under the radio tab. We're being sponsored today by the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. We're a registered 501c3 nonprofit, and what we do here is stick a microphone in someone's face or, or take a recording, and we've proven that we can look at their issues uh, many months, sometimes years ahead of time. With Robin Williams, um, we were able to look three years before that he was going to have issues with dementia. I guess the latest one uh, this audience will be interested in is Elton John, and there is an article on our site under uh, in the news about Elton John's um, health and the reason for ending his tour. Although he looked great at Harry and uh, Meghan's wedding. So we are being sponsored today by Methylation Mapping Software. I'd forgotten that we had agreed to give that one away. That's one of the most important softwares that we have. So if anybody wants to be in a drawing for that, just write to Richard um, or me. Richard, do you want to give your email address? My email is talk to me guy all words at gmail dot com. Okay, and we'll be doing a drawing this is Sunday. We'll be doing it on Wednesday for people who want to be part of that, and we also provide you with um, a demonstration, a documentary to show you how to use that methylation map. I have one, well, it's actually two announcements, um, three, real short. The keynote is up. All of those frequencies that come to Earth that um, change the tides also affect us. So that's up at the soundhealthoptions.com. But the other um, announcement, sort of, kind of, runs in together. So this is from Sherry Tenpenny, our friend that sends us information. She wants to make sure that everybody understands what is going on uh, with the philosophy of the United States government. And she is saying that we are moving quickly toward fascism. And she sent a an explanation uh, of political philosophy movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual, and that stands for a centralized 
autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forced suppression of opposition. So she's been talking about what's happening with the Internet control, with gun control, with vaccine control, where we're not given much of a choice, but she encourages us somehow to just say no. Write your congressman. Richard may have some more information about this. We're doing our part with a two-day class that's free, and we're providing the uh, software for it also. It starts Monday evening, and you can go to the site, thesoundhealthoptions.com, and go to classes. It's two days. It, this one, it's called a two-day class, but it's actually three days. It's on the 4th, 6th, and 8th. It's free. It's in the evening from 7 to 10 Eastern. And you'll learn there how to take control, to have dominion over those people around you who may be suffering from Alzheimer's from the very beginnings of just forgetting where you uh, where you left your keys. I'm guilty. Uh, so we'll be able to put that software in your hands. We'll show you how to easily use it so that you can test and um, just set up information for them. A lot of it is uh, nutritional, choline especially. A lot of genetic choline is being disturbed by GMO, so outside influences uh, to our health. That is my announcement. Do you have anything to add, Richard? Um, well, first, I want to add my my applause for the keynote. Uh, I do have another announcement, but I just really suggest people re- read the keynote. It's, it's always amazing to me. I see this, I think, every weekend. I don't see the keynote until shortly before showtime when Sherry releases it. And it always amazes me how the key... So the keynote is a view... So it's like vocal profiling, but it's for the universe. So the sounds emanating from the, you know, I don't know, noise bouncing off of planets comes down here and Sherry software measures it and produces a keynote. And inevitably, a few days before Sherry releases the keynote, I have people call me and go, my hip's really bothering me. What do you know? And something about it's happening in the universe. I haven't read today's keynote, so I don't know what our focus is this couple of week, like week or so. But it always fits right in. I mean, it always fits right in. So I'm a big fan of the keynote. Um, can't recommend it reading it highly enough. It's a good reference point for like, oh, I should kind of be aware of this. Go ahead, Sherry. It's a great thing um, for feeding the brain, is the uh, title today, acetylcholine and B vitamins that help the nerve and support the brain. Uh, glutamine, it gives a lot of explanation there. Of if this is happening to you today or even this week, because we look at about six days at a time, um, it may be these frequencies that NASA um, monitors coming from outer space, and it will probably pass. But it doesn't help, um, it doesn't hurt to take these choline and that kind of thing. If your body needs it, it'll keep it. If not, it'll just pass it along. 
I love the link Mariah has put up here. Uh, she always puts a little saying up and says, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. George Orwell said that. Uh, it's on the site under in the news under keynote, and it really can save you from making things worse, like a small headache starts because the muscles in the back of the neck are in stress. So just go get a massage and get rid of that and... And there's probably a lot of things that you can do in meditation just to block those frequencies if you think they're being detrimental. You know, on Skype, you just sent me a thing about uh, them kidnapping a child because of um, activities that really helped. This is the kind of thing that Penny, uh, Jerry Tenpenny, has uh, been talking about. We've been talking about this one. We have an incredible had an incredible guest like three or four Sundays ago. Do you remember? Was it O'Brien was her name? I think that's correct, yeah. I can't remember her first name right now, but it was O'Brien. Yeah. I will go. Yeah, this fits in. This announcement, uh, the the title of this is my announcement. Uh, The headline of this, and I'll put this in chat, is Child Kidnapped and Parents Jailed for Using Medical Cannabis. This was in Macon, Georgia. A teen who suffers from seizures was forcibly separated from his parents and put into state custody while his parents were jailed and charged with reckless conduct after they had presided their son with marijuana to control his seizures. They were using a high-concentrate CBD oil, which is the non-psychoactive part, with low amounts of THC, which is often defined as 0.05%. And so they had, as they were being, as the child was being taken away and the parents were jailed, the father was saying, I, I don't care, you know, go ahead and arrest me. However, I want you to know that for 71 days, my son was able to ride a bike, go play, lift weights. We were able to achieve that with David medicated, not from Big Pharma, but David medicated with marijuana. So they took away his their son. I think this has been. I'm not sure what the actual state of their state is, their issue is. I know since this occurred, uh, this was just a few days ago, and since then, I think in Georgia they've now made it legal. Uh, if you're and they were medically signed up, they were they were at the time of this occurrence, there were more than 3,500 people in Georgia that were registered with the state as medical marijuana patients. So they were registered. They were. They had followed the guidelines. They were doing what they were supposed to do. But somebody decided to, uh, kind of going to what Sherry was talking about with Sherry Tinpenny, deciding to take it into their own hands and take away these people's son and put them in jail. Now, since then, I've, I haven't had time to research. Just this morning, I saw something that has occurred in Georgia where they may have decriminalized or made steps but we don't know what the actual state of the affair is. But I just find this, I can't use any words on air. I just find this infuriating and disgusting. Emily O'Brien, and she was on our show May 6th, and you can go to our radio tab, and down below you can listen to the whole show. But this is not the first child because of uh, medical issues that they're trying to drive down our throats. So... That's one of the reasons we have our guest today, 
um, talking about how to take back your health rights and to really show up the connection between disease and what's trying to be foisted on us. Our intro was a little long. We apologize for that. But this is important information. Would you introduce our guest? I will. Kyle Davis' work is focused on connecting emotions, metaphysics, and disease. He works with a range of health conditions that he calls energetic illnesses, including chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, ME, IBS, anxiety, and depression. Kyle teaches people that their symptoms are the result of an energetic and emotional imbalances and that symptoms are something of a spiritual awakening. Kyle Davies is an occupational psychologist, therapist, and author. He's the creator of Energy Flow Coaching, which provides a framework and process that can be applied to health setting for eradicating symptoms of chronic fatigue and pain, anxiety, and depression. Kyle joins us to talk about his book, The Intelligent Body, Reversing Chronic Fatigue and Pain from the Inside Out. Good evening, Kyle. Well, hello, and thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. So I, I have to, out of the gate, ask, so you're a psychologist. Was there a patient or an incident that moved your practice from straight therapy and move you into consulting into the healthcare arena? Was there something that occurred or was it just a yeah, it's, gravity? No, it's a great question. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, so I, um, to, to talk about it very briefly, I started my career in management consulting, doing a whole range of things. Uh, I was particularly interested in coaching and helping people achieve their, their potential. I, I was a little frustrated within the workplace because certainly back 20 years ago, people only wanted to talk about themselves with, you know, and their skill set within their role as a manager or an employee or a leader. Uh, and I wanted to get a little deeper with people. So I went and did a lot of therapy training, started a little practice. Uh, I was then introduced to a medical doctor who had a particular interest in chronic fatigue syndrome because his girlfriend had it. And he had done some of the same therapy training that I had done. And he began uh, applying some of the principles uh, and extrapolating them and was beginning to see some success. So I began working with him because it just this seemed to be such uh, an, an, uh, an important breakthrough, really, because certainly going back to the, the very early 2000s, there most certainly wasn't anything that conventional healthcare was offering for chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and what seemed to be a growing range of what medicine at the time called uh, functional somatic uh, symptoms and syndromes. There's been a whole range of, of uh, little names for them since, from bodily distress disorders to invisible illnesses to medically unexplained symptoms. And essentially what, what all of those things mean is that medicine will go through a, a brief number of tests and if nothing shows up, then you're offered, if, if your symptoms persist, you're offered a diagnosis of some sort or the other. And the, the, the predominant symptoms that people are, experience are fatigue, malaise, uh, brain fog, which can be um, memory-focused concentration problems, um, <clears throat> uh, headaches, uh, muscle pain, joint pain, aches, 
uh, stomach and bowel complaints and then anxiety and depression. So there's, there's a, you know, a, a quite a wide array of, of, of symptoms that, that people experience. Lots of people experience them in very, very acute ways, but more and more people seem to be experiencing them in, in chronic ways. And we, you know, the, the work is mind-body work. So I do appreciate that this most certainly a, a move towards opening up to the idea that mind and body are connected. But it was certainly the case going back 15 years that there was a lot of uh, hostility towards me and my uh, uh, business partner because we were talking about, we were using words such as emotion and stress. Uh, and talking about what people believed were physical health problems. And, of course, the symptoms that people experience are very real. Um, however, physical and mental or mind and body are one interflowing connected system, as far as I'm concerned. So the idea of trying to separate them uh, is 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 both it's it's false it's antiquated and it's it's based on a a world view assumption that is hundreds and hundreds of years old so for me it wasn't a massive jump to uh, working with uh, health challenges that presented with physical symptoms but i i guess it can seem like that and I've had loads of people over the years say that how can you as a psychologist prop you know uh, say you can help me with a physical problem and and of course I have to then make that that explanation that um, the you know mind and body are one and, and stress is, is usually the the way I explain that and I have a question from chat right away asking about chronic fatigue so we're going to jump slightly you have a what I would call kind of a practical approach to talking about a number of these conditions. Can you talk about this, this person's asking about chronic fatigue. Can you talk about how you might approach somebody with chronic fatigue in terms of what you, how you would, you know, take us to the steps of, okay, you've figured out they have chronic fatigue. Where do you go from here? Uh, okay. So if, if a person is diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, the, and they will be presenting with a, you know, as I say, a pr possibly a wide variety of, of symptoms. And I think th there there are a, a couple of important points, really. The, the first thing is that uh, is, is understanding, well, what does chronic fatigue syndrome mean? Because like many things in medicine, medicine slaps a label on something which actually doesn't tell us very much. So it doesn't tell us what's wrong. It doesn't tell us what, what causes the, the, the problem. It's, you know, it's just kind of labeling a general symptom. What we know with chronic fatigue is the same with fibromyalgia and actually the same with anxiety and depression. All of them are umbrella terms for a diverse range of symptoms. So this is how, and I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk about stress a little bit. So my approach is, is based on the idea of that. Uh, in, from the perspective of the stress disease framework, that a body that is in a perpetual state of stress will ultimately break down and then produce s symptoms. Now, I have to briefly talk about what stress is, because most people seem to have an idea that stress is uh, some nervous, agitated feeling they have when their boss gives them too much work or if their kids are playing up. Uh, people talk about being stressed. Um, that's kind of fine, but it's not really what stress is. That nervous, agitated feeling is an emotional feeling people have when they're overwhelmed. 
Now, from a, uh, a healthcare perspective, stress is kind of in, uh, an, uh, an entirely different thing. So there's two very important points. The, the first point is that regardless of the, uh, the stressor, whether the stressor is physical or emotional, uh, the stress response in the body is exactly the same. So what I mean by this is you could have a car accident, which could trigger the stress response in, in, in the body. You could have a bad case of flu, which will trigger your stress response. You could uh, lose a job uh, or break up with your boyfriend, and that will trigger the stress response. And it's all exactly the same. So there are a whole variety of things that will push the body into a state of stress. And the, the sort of the irony of that a little bit is that some of the symptoms that we can experience can also uh, uh, p sort of perpetuate the stress response, sleep being an example of that. So uh, poor sleep or lack of sleep is often a symptom um, of a body in a state of stress, but it all also uh, exacerbates or uh, amplifies the, the, the stress response. So that's the first important thing about stress is that stress, the stress response of the body is kind of identical, exactly the same, regardless of the stressor. Now, that for me really confirms this idea of mind and body. So you could have an emotional blockage or a buildup of emotion that you maybe are not aware of, and that'll trigger the stress response. Or as I say, you could have a car accident and that cause a, a stress response. So that's the first thing. The second important point is that it's entirely possible, be it be a, a human or an animal, for the body to be in a state of stress without us being consciously aware of it. And this is normally kind of what, what happens, really, in, in, in my experience, is that um, people's, people will, their body will be in a state of stress or the stress response will be locked on. And uh, the individual won't be aware of it. And this will happen for uh, over a period of time. And when that happens, the, the body eventually breaks down. And the very simple way, the, the little metaphor that I use is that we have a stress bucket. And it's that lots of things go into the stress bucket. And it gets to a point when our stress bucket becomes full that we begin to experience uh, s some symptoms. Now, in terms of how that works within the body, the stress response gets stuck on and that causes a rewiring of neural pathways within the brain. That rewiring of, new, of uh, neural pathways leads to irregularities within the main systems of the body, which are the immune system, the endocrine system and the autonomic nervous system. Those irregularities lead to the diverse range of, of debilitating symptoms that people experience. But it all comes, it's basically a chain reaction. It all comes back to this full stress response, this, this full stress bucket, which means the stress response is locked on. So ultimately, because the stress response is the same, as I say, you know, for a whole, whole uh, variety of things, in my experience, what happens is there are a, there are a number of, of, of stressors that the individual may or may not be aware of that go into that stress bucket. A quick example of that is that last year I had a couple of clients that came to see me with diagnosis of fibromyalgia and they said to me that a, they'd had a car accident and the car accident was the cause of the fibromyalgia. Because what we're used to in Western medicine, because of the way medicine is set up, is that we have a single cause for a single disease. Disease. And of course, what medicine likes is then to have a single treatment specifically for that disease. And I think what we're looking at is a, is a more complex picture when it comes to health challenges that are chronic 
and we know that despite the amazing things that medicine does, it's not very good at dealing with challenges that are, are, are chronic. So my view is that when we're looking at a chronic health challenge that is where stress, a body in a state of stress is involved, you're looking at a number of primary causes. And it's almost almost as if there's a combination lock of, of causes. And when all of that combination is, you know, all, all those numbers are lined up, that lock slams shut. And it's a bit like, it's in, that's, the, that's the idea of the, the, the stress bucket. There's a number of things going into that stress bucket. And for those two people with having a car accident, as far as I'm concerned, the car accident is that final straw. It's a body that is already... In a, in a state of stress and then the car accident just pushes them over the hill so that so that's the kind of the first bit what it means then in terms of going back to your your, your chronic fatigue sufferer who's calling in what it means is that of course for most people who suffer from chronic fatigue have been to their, their doctor because their doctor is not offering them any explanation of cause what they believe is that they just have a very small pot of energy that has to be managed very carefully. So what they're doing is just about life management and symptom uh, management. What I'm looking to do is say, well, let's look at it in an entirely different way. Your body is sending symptoms because your stress, your stress bucket is full. It's and I know it sounds very simple, but I think when it comes to working with things, making things as simple as we can is kind of is, is ideal. So the way I look at it really is that generally the way bodies work is that body our bodies give us feedback through the sensations and symptoms that they offer. So this, this, a person experiencing symptoms of chronic fatigue, those symptoms are actually purposeful in as much as the body is trying to tell us something. It's basically telling us that whenever the symptoms are arising, the stress bucket is, is, is full. But it's a, it's, you can probably see that there's, it's, a, and it's an entirely different mindset shift. So if I have a, if I have a, a sufferer of chronic fatigue that says, well, yeah, I had a massive uh, increase in, in my, 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 my symptoms last Friday, what that person will immediately do will, will go into a mindset of trying to uh, minimize the damage done by this by by symptoms we'll get into a, a space of playing kind of defense really it's, oh my god i've got my symptoms the implications of the symptoms are xyz I, I probably need to go rest now my approach and what we do with um energy flow coaching is we say well essentially your body is sending you those symptoms for a reason so it's like there's a message behind the symptoms and we need to figure out in that what was going on last Friday because your body's trying to tell us something. Now, in every other, you know, aspect of feedback from the body, it works like that. So when a person is, you know, when our body needs food, it lets us know through feeling. When our body needs, you know, water, it lets us know through a feeling. When we're tired, when we need the bathroom, etc etc if if you're walking down the street and a stone pops in your shoe you feel sharp pain that pain is serving a purpose so that's the fundamental shift in in mindset is right well we have to look at symptoms as messengers symptoms are purposeful and my work is about really drilling down into the cause and the cause is that essentially what's going on is that once as i said that when the stress bucket is full there is a rewiring of neural pathways and effectively what that means is once a body once a person's body is beginning to trigger symptoms it doesn't take much 
doesn't take much more in that stress bucket for symptoms to be produced, if that makes sense. So it's almost like as if the body is working on overdrive. Body and brain are working on overdrive. So it takes very little. So this is why, for the most part, sufferers believe that they can't do much because you know they everyone that will come to see me with, with chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia will tell me that symptoms at the moment are the result of overdoing it. And... I have to invite them to look at it from a slightly different different uh, angle and this angle that well actually what's going on is there is it's your stress bucket is 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 overflowing so we need to address that. Does that, does that all make sense? Uh yes, I because I have, I'm always talking about environmental I'll call them issues uh, things. Uh, I use the term total toxic load in in talking about our environmental exposure along with what we get in our foods from GMOs and glyphosates and all that. And it seems like what you're saying, part of what you're saying is that they are really, you're wanting to, them, A, first to recognize that, that what you just said, that thing about, oh, you know, that they're always saying, or they're often saying, I've overdone. And you want them to recontextualize that and look at, well, you know, maybe, Is that, you know, and, and, and then you begin to untangle that, why, the, what I would call the wires of that, you know, misfiring in their brain of neuro, neurological, you know, why they're in a state of chronic fatigue. You begin to help them peel away at those layers um, to, by to paying a, attention? To a, yeah, to a, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. So the reason I gave the example of a stone in the shoe, which is like anything, any feedback from our body, is that your body is letting you know right in that moment with that pain you experience in your foot that there's something that you need to do now. There's something, it's trying to get your attention now. Now, for the most part, when I'm, you know, as I was saying with, with stress and the stress buckets, that basically whether you have a bad diet, you have poor sleep, you have a car accident, all of that, all the rest of that, that goes in your stress bucket. The biggest, without a shadow of a doubt, the biggest uh, contributor to the content of, of our stress bucket is our emotion. And the the reason why that is, is because, in, again, just a bit of theory, is emotion is a non-conscious process. And what's supposed to happen is, is emotion is supposed to trigger feelings. But um, so essentially what that means is, is emotion is going on all of the time. And emotion drives everything that we do and everything that we think. So, you know, it, uh, the, the kind of old days of 50, 60 years ago where we thought it, that we thought our emotion was a cognitive process. So just something that took place in the brain and was the end result of thinking. All those ideas are being um, superseded by new theories, which is that emotion is a complex physiological process, which is affecting all of the body and pretty much all of the, the brain as well. And our emotional processing occurs at a far higher speed than our cognitive processing. So even when you think you're being rational, it's actually in, influenced by our emotion. So emotion is this non-conscious process. So it occurs regardless of whether we're aware of it or not. What's supposed to happen is it's supposed to trigger feelings. So some, so some, uh, we have some emotion, and if we were to label that as anger, 
uh, ideally you get some feeling, which could be a tightness in your chest or something across your forehead or, you know, something like that. Now, what we know is it's very possible for us to block our feelings or our emotional feelings. Um, And lots and lots of people do this. This is what is very often the case because we're beginning to see now there's lots of research showing that the, the connections between trauma in childhood or adverse childhood experiences, as they, they call them, and chronic health challenges in later life. So I think, you know, the thing that I have seen over the last 15 years is that uh, people essentially learn to detach from their emotional feelings and they do that unconsciously usually early in their life and it's often a result of either a series of small trauma uh, or you know a couple of big uh, traumas lots of for lots of people it's a number of kind of very very small minor traumas uh, which unfortunately pretty much all of us experience um, but what happens is that as a result of those traumas, they, in order to kind of protect themselves, they unconsciously learn to detach or separate from their emotional feelings. And so, it's, you know, what that means is they learn to block them out. That pattern then continues into adulthood. Uh, so but what's happening is that in the the uh, the emotion that the body produces as part of its feedback mechanism continues to be produced, but feelings are, in many instances, not felt. Now, it doesn't mean that all feelings are not felt, but certain feelings at certain times are not are not felt. So, in my experience of it, you know, to so say without a shadow of a doubt, the 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 biggest content of people's stress bucket is is emotion. Now. Just because emotion would have built up over the years, it doesn't mean that people have to go back and plow through all of the, the you know, that, those uh, emotional feelings from the, from the past. They don't. But what it does mean is that they need to begin, and this is essentially what I do, is look, in looking what is in a person's uh, stress bucket, is a lot of my work is about train is translating symptoms back into emotional feelings and teaching people how to feel again because essentially the idea is that the body or our bodies use emotions as one of the feedback mechanisms so if you imagine if if for some reason uh, the mechanism by which you felt hunger was somehow blocked and you no longer felt hunger at some point your body because you need to eat if you didn't know when to eat um your body would find and if you then didn't eat your body would find some other mechanism some other symptom to get your attention to try to make you eat and essentially that's a a lot of the medically unexplained functional symptoms are emotion has been blocked over a period of time stuck in the in in the, in the stress bucket that is what's caused this rewiring of, of neural pathways so in order to rewire neural pathways back to where they should be it's learning to feel again uh, essentially so we learn to understand and translate the emotion that the body sends because it's basically the idea that well your body's trying to get your attention with emotion if it's if it doesn't get your attention with emotion it's going to use something else and effective effectively it uses a a symptom they say i think that most people intuitively know this you know it's a sort of thing that if a person has a 
bad day at the office, you know, a really frustrating day, and they've kind of tried to shove that that frustration down and you know, just you know crack on. They may come home at the, at the end of the day with 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 a, a headache. And they'll know that, well, yeah, it was really frustrating and I just kind of shoved that all down and now I've got this, this, this headache and I'll take some ibuprofen and I'll be fine. So people essentially know that, I think. What happens is, is that when it's at a low level and it, it, it's acute, people are kind of happy to recognise that connection between stress and disease. They, unfortunately, when the symptoms become chronic, people then start to think, oh my god there's something wrong i better go and see my doctor and of course because the doctor is working from that materialistic paradigm where the body is viewed as a machine it's um, in the, the person in the first instance will, will be given additional headache tablets and then if they're you know if those extra strong tablets don't work or the headaches persist the brain person will then be given a, a brain scan to see if there's any structural damage um and you know, it, and it kind of goes on and on, really. Um, and I, this is where I think it's important that all, all of us retain our intuitive kind of sense of what might be going on with us. Um, because I think, you know, it, it's essentially when we can, and that, you know, say that's the, the kind of essence of my work, and that's what the book is all about, is the idea that actually we are, we're self-healing systems, both our physical system and our emotional systems, they are designed, there is a blueprint and they, they, you know, they default back to that blueprint. You know, the simplest example being, you know, you fall over, you know, you graze your knee, a, a scab forms, new skin uh, uh, forms uh, underneath that scab, scab falls off and, you know, hey presto, your leg is back, back to normal. So we know that, of course, occasionally there are times where we need medicine to give us a little nudge if you've had a bad break of your leg and you need to, you know, uh, uh, some help on, on the way. But generally, that, that isn't the case. We know, you know, we all know that, don't we? So our, our physical body and our emotional system, they are designed to reset themselves. And I think that as far as I'm concerned, we just we don't we don't pay enough attention to that. Uh, we probably are too quick to jump in and medicalize uh, and go and see a doctor and we're, and and to say just about all the great things that medicine does it it works on symptoms doesn't it and very often if you're not dealing with why the symptoms are there the symptoms will perpetuate or some new symptoms will 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 come so I think that's that that's a very long-winded um, answer and I hope it I hope it does address the question. From your chronic fatigue questioner it does and i have two questions here uh, both in the audience and both pertain to what you just said uh one an incredibly interesting question how does the ibuprofen interact with your emotions to take away the headache i never thought of that before uh, well, it doesn't interact with the emotions but what 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 would what's happening is that um the the ibuprofen is is acting on the symptom um and what would so this is this is generally what i've experienced over the years is that and this is the problem with working on just symptoms is that it would be a little bit like this wouldn't it it would be like um all right well and of course we have diet pills that do just this that suppress your appetite so what they're doing is 
the the, phys, the the physical sensations you have of a rumbling tummy can be suppressed with certain pills. Um, now that, and of course, and it doesn't it doesn't address the the issue of hunger. So it's exactly the same with ibuprofen, a headache, and our emotion. It doesn't deal with why the headache is there. It doesn't deal with that emotion. So the emotion kind of stays blocked. And I see what I would what, what I would suggest, and this is exactly what I've seen over the years, is that the body will get a message through. And if it has to change the symptoms that it sends, it most certainly will. So everybody, every single person that I've ever worked with with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, adrenal fatigue, post-viral fatigue, those individuals, they never kind of wake up out of nowhere with a chronic health health problem. They will have all experienced something milder, which could be headaches, back pain, chest pain, uh, upset stomach, um, sleep uh, problems, anxiety, depression, skin problems, a whole variety of symptoms. And what normally happens is people take some medication or they do something, they take, they have some treatment which is designed to address the symptoms. Those symptoms go and then what happens at some point later, the body then sends some more severe uh, symptoms. So in, in the book, I talk about this as, I call this the hallway of health. And essentially, it's people walking down the hallway, and as they're walking down that hallway, symptoms get worse. And I remember years ago having a doctor who came to see me because she had multiple sclerosis. And I'd worked with, with some people with that, and we'd had some benefit of the work that I was doing. So she, she, she came to see me, and I explained this hallway of health idea to her. And she said, that's really interesting, she said, because... Uh, recently I did a review of cases so she was a family doctor she said I did a review of cases of people over the last 15 years and she said I could see there were times there were there was a whole load of people that people that the same people that were coming back to see me and I would medicate them for certain symptoms and at some point later they'd come back to see me with a more severe condition because in every instance I was never really addressing the cause of whatever their health challenge was I was giving them some pills so I think that's that's the that's the you know but as a society we want an immediate you know an immediate uh, sort of response we want you know I've got symptoms and I don't want symptoms so I want something immediate to get rid of those those symptoms now of course if you're a person and you know you have that example of you know that you suppressed for or anger and that, uh, during work and you come home with 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 a with a bad head taking ibuprofen to get rid of that headache is probably fine as long as as long as you look to address the emotion that led to it in the first place and that might mean that there's some pattern that's going on at work that you know is likely to happen again so if the same patterns are ensuing at work and you having the same emotional response and you're blocking that emotion then the symptoms will persist so i hope that addresses that question i did it in a slightly roundabout way that's good one of the things that i like about uh, your book the intelligent body is that it has a lot of practical uh, solutions practical examples you gave one a car accident causing fibromyalgia is that really the issue that it was a car accident or is something in that person's past 
that would cause the car accident to trigger it, trigger uh, fibromyalgia in one person, um, back pain in another. I mean, I, I, absolutely, yeah. That was, I guess, that that was the point. I suppose I was I was trying to make was that I, I see it as a as any chronic health problem as a combination lock of of causes. So I would see that the the car. So whereas most of the time we like to see a single cause. I don't feel that there is. So my feeling was that this, these are two people who didn't know each other, two people where they have a full stress bucket of, of emotion built up over years. They've had a car accident. I know this is a very simple way of looking at it, but they've had a car accident and that has been the, the proverbial last straw. So the body then has gone into this protracted stress response and is then began and when the body is in the stress response in that way it begins to break down and that's essentially what what happened so it doesn't recover uh so it's not so the the car accident was a contributory factor but it's not the ultimate cause because they say there's a number of causes and of course in terms of right well how do you deal with that well because the car accident is is a one-off so we recognize that well it's one of the those factors, one of the variables in our stress bucket, but it's a one-off. It's done. It's it's gone now. The things that we can work with is that what we know is that there have been, you know, and this is what I uh, the work that I do with clients is I uncover this is that there will be patterns of uh, blocking emotion that have developed over years. So the work I do is about uncovering and you know what those patterns are in order in order that we can we can change and shift those patterns and get people feeling and responding and processing their emotional feedback rather than uh having it be blocked and as i say you know this is this is not this is not a conscious thing that people do and this is not something that you do by changing your thinking so just 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 to go back to what i was saying earlier is that the idea that our emotional processing occurs at far higher speeds than our cognitive processing. It's the idea that your emotion is happening is non-conscious. So you're not aware of it. It's just going on all the time. So as people are listening to this now, their body is responding to their interaction with their environment right now and sending emotions and emotions are being produced. And some of those will be translated into feelings that they'll feel and others won't. But emotion is driving everything that we're doing and everything that we're, we're, we're thinking. So it's, I think that I, and the, the reason I kind of make that, that point is that a lot of the time, I think people think that as I'm talking about their emotion, that one, it must be all in the mind. And of course, hopefully I've dispelled that myth, but also that they're responsible because when I talk about emotions being blocked in it, and that very much isn't the case. Our, the, the blocking of emotion for most people begins early in their lives and is definitely something that they're not aware of doing it's an unconscious thing and as i say it's very often that people have been certainly in my experience of it and the, the, the clients that i've worked with and the people that you know the, the the other practitioners that i've trained and and the cases that i've overseen is that there are there are usually a series of little traumas whereby people learn to block unconsciously they're not where they're doing it blocking their emotional feedback and it's that that's the build-up over time so yeah i mean it's 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 a great question and of course it does it requires us to look at 
health and the causes of health challenges in, in, in an entirely new way. We're so used to this medical model, which, you know, and medicine was based on, on that, that idea. In, in the early years of medicine, it was based on finding uh, a specific treatment for a specific set of symptoms that had a specific cause. So it was a very linear kind of process. One cause, one illness, as one one treatment you know that was that's that that's the the kind of the the foundation of medicine and um and of course the the whole idea then that came from that was basically treating uh treating the the, the symptoms that that ensue and you know a, any doctor will tell you that that's that's what they're doing they're treating treating symptoms um which is great for business because it means there's loads and loads of pills being being dished out <laughs> um yeah but in terms of um you know, it, I, I think we're you know we're far too you know we're just too medicated as as a Western culture. Um, it, it disturbs me the, the the growing rate of prescriptions that, that that people have. You know, the number of tablets that people are taking every day, and it's you know there there are there's 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 there's, there's meds for various things, and then there's meds for the side effect of meds, and meds for the side effect effects of these meds and you know i have lots of, of of clients that come to see me and they you know they're taking you know 10 20 30 sometimes 40 pills a day and they don't know what half of them are for uh, and it's 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 worrying because what it means is that those individuals remain very passive in relation to their health care so and of course if you're passive in relation to to healthcare, then you're not you're not doing anything to facilitate your body's natural healing process. So essentially all I'm doing is by teaching people to feel again and by translating their symptoms back into emotions is I'm, I'm, I'm allowing the body to self-heal because what, the, what keeps the body stuck in the stress response is the fact that emotions are, are perpetually blocked and they're perpetually blocked because partly because they're unconscious, but because people are not looking to unblock them because the connection between emotions and symptoms has not really been made. I'm saying that there are, there is an absolute wave of change, which is, which is taking place. And certainly when I started doing this work, saying, you know, in the early two thousands, there were very few people, there were people that were spiritually orientated that would talk about these sorts of things. But what I'm now seeing is that there are lots more people, there are lots more books out there, there are lots more people researching all, all this stuff. So this, these connections between emotions and stress and, and disease is becoming, it, seem, it seems now to be becoming part of mainstream, which is fantastic. I've got to say. And is there, is there a way we can learn to maybe have things fall into our stress bucket but not fill it? we can keep it moving through more like pouring, you know, water comes in, water goes out kind of thing. Can we keep our stress bucket empty or near empty or emptier? Yeah, I I think so. I think in in terms of my work, there there are sort of levels to it really. So if we look at a, a person, there is what is in their environment. There is the way that they interact with their, their environment and then there is the the, the deeper uh, relationship they have with with themselves, and my work will address all of those areas. And in terms of how do you keep your stress bucket from getting too full? Really, it's by uh, uh, learning how to feel, which again it sounds incredibly simple, but f- for most people, it it isn't. 
Um, but that, that's just that's that is is the process when we when we allow ourselves when we get out of our head because a lot of the time i think again as a western culture we're sort of stuck in our head we're also very externally focused so what i mean by that is that we're for the most part without really being aware of it we're trying to match ourselves to the world and in doing so we we deviate from what i would call our true self and what happens then is that there's it, we have some uh some 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 feelings emotions that are sent as as a result of this this deviation that we have from from our from our true self and in, in some instances people feel that in some instances they don't but the way to keep that stress bucket empty is by primarily feeling and honoring the feelings that that we have if that makes sense yes it does uh very much so you know if you if you feel rather than the bucket becoming full you have something that occurs, you have an emotion, you feel it, you experience it, that then I would, there's an old, from a different kind of thought system called blow the charge on it. So you release it and then you go. I mean, you know, it's an amazing concept. Absolutely. In your, well, the people who come to you and in your book, do you use... Um, Talk therapy, think therapy, yoga, meditation. Um, how do you get people through this? So my work is called um, energy flow coaching, and I guess from the outs from from the outside looking in, it it, it combines a number of things with unique aspects to it. Um, what I'm essentially looking to do is really a combination of these things that I've said. It's uh, it's taking that different perspective on the cause of symptoms, and that in in and of itself is is quite big. It's translating symptoms back into our emotions, and it's teaching people how to feel again, so that they can honour and process and regulate their feelings. But it is looking at this from a you know a functional perspective, really. So uh, it, it is the idea that just as just as as you know the feeling of hunger the sensation of hunger is inviting us to eat around about now uh, or that stone in the shoe the pain that that, that uh, ensues from that is inviting us to take off our shoe and take the stone out our emotional feedback is feedback about our interaction with our environment so it's about us it's not that it's about you know it's not that my boss makes me angry my emotion is arising in, in inside of me and it's it's trying to in, invite me to pay attention to how I'm acting and how I'm and, you know so there is it's it, it's it's a it's a it's practical really but it's the in terms of working with people with health challenges it's it's making those translations and then it's, it's helping people identify what their emotional truth is and how they can effectively process it how they can effectively act on it um and what you know and uh, and and how they move forward in that in that sort of way so it's not it's not kind of techniques like yoga meditation as such you know th those those are those are great things if people want want to do them what energy flow coaching is doing is trying to realign a person kind of mind body and soul if you will it's trying to it, it's it is this idea that right well within us you know, we as human beings are a flow of a, a flow of consciousness. We have a true self, 
and what comes from that true self is our, our intuitive feelings, our, our, our emotional feelings. And if we're not aligned with those, if we're not detecting them, if for whatever reason they're blocked, and they are blocked in many people, then problems will, will ensue. So, you know, the, the work I do is, as I say, it's, it's, it's helping people to find and feel and process their, their, their emotional feelings again. I'm stunned to find we're at that point where I have to ask you, well, I, actually, I have two part. This is a two part question. How do people work with you now and where can people find more information about you and about your book? Uh, so I work at, um, in a couple of ways, really. My book, well, I suppose I should have this. My book is the, the easiest thing. The, the book, the, the Intelligent Body is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and hopefully all good high street stores it's probably cheapest on amazon at the moment uh, people can find me on energyflowcoaching.com um, and i work uh, in person i work via skype um, and i also have a number of energy flow coaches that i'm that are going through training at the moment so i will there are a few people in the states uh, i have a colleague in based in in washington dc i've got a couple of people being trained in uh california and one in new york at the moment so there so i, I work as i say if people would want to work with me and um are not close to me then i, I probably do 80 percent of my work via skype uh, but if if a person did want to work with someone in person, as uh, you know, that that does happen. Then I do. I will be certainly uh, within the next month or so. There'll be new faces appearing on the Energy Flow Coaching website. So I will have a, a number of additional practitioners uh, out and about. Great, thank you. There's a lot more conversation there. I can tell. It's a it's a yeah, it subject. Emotions and health. That's such a huge arena. Um, that was really good. Thank you so much, Kyle. And Thank you. I know that, uh, as I said before, people will want to re-listen to this, and you can do that about 10 minutes after we end the show. Uh, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then there click on the Blog Talk Archive player, and the show will be there in about 10 or 15 minutes. And it typically takes iTunes and Google Play and other podcast players about an hour or so to get the feed. Uh, but this is one of those that... I'll be re-listening to and taking notes. So thank you so much again, Kyle, and everybody have a great rest of the weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. I don't know, as always. <laughs> I have no idea what we're talking about, but it'll be amazing. I know that part. All right, thanks again, Kyle. Everybody have a thank great you. rest of the week. Thank you. Thank, thank you, thanks. audience, for being here. Please keep sending us information and suggestions about who and what you would like us to share with you. Thanks yeah. for being here. Just Thank you. Have a great week of the weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.